0: I tell you. ZoomTown host Travis Mateer here, introducing a conversation I had on my birthday, September 19th, with Michael Wan. If it's kind of weird the way I'm talking, um, I know it's going to play back sounding okay, but in, in my headphones there's some weird delay and I can't figure it out. And it's kind of m- messing with me. Maybe that's because synchronicities are in the air. And apparently not everyone likes synchronicities. Um, I've written a little teaser about this conversation and it elicited some interesting concern trolls. I haven't had trolls like these in, in many years. So, hmm, I'll be writing about these concern trolls. In fact, I've written a poem, cause that's what I do, write poems. And anytime time you enter my creative orbit, you run the risk of a poem being written about you. But I won't burden you with poetry yet. That'll be at the end, after the conversation with Michael Wan, which is coming up right now. Okay, so my name is Travis Matier, and this is another one of those special episodes of Zoom Town a blog that's usually about local politics in Missoula, but I've also had such great opportunities to interview people that I'm just really digging, um, especially the, the work of synchro mysticism. Um, I've had a chance to talk to Jason Horsley, and now today I have Michael, uh, Michael Wan or Michael Kwan?
1: Uh, I, uh, Juan but, but you're looking at the uh probably the zoom I I got a little play on the name on how I have it spelled so that's like a play on Mike Juan Mike got Juan Gotcha.
0: I just wanted to double check and make sure I wasn't that threw me off just a bit I'm like is it Quan or Juan so Michael Juan absolutely absolutely thank you for having me here I didn't realize we we're doing a show I thought it was you and I were just doing a conversation yeah, you know, so I tricked you. Uh, I'm, I'm very manipulative. I totally tricked you. Um, I, I've wanted to, to speak with you so so badly about a number of things that I, I hired you, um, because the work that you do, and I don't want to get too ahead of myself, but I really want to promote the work that you do. Um, I want other people to understand what synchronicities sort of can do in their lives beneficially. So, so I hope you don't feel like I, I've gotten you here under um, under misrepresenting what what we're going to be speaking about today.
1: Actually, the absolute opposite. Like, Excellent. I love surprises like you can't imagine, yeah. and so like and particularly like small things like these are one of the things. These are one of the things which I do to fill my life with joy. I just love like small surprises or like you know being caught off guard. So I love it. So this is fantastic. It's your birthday, and I'm getting the gift.
0: Yay! Exactly. No, it's it, it is my birthday, so I. Can kind of do what I want. I'll, I'll use it, uh, my wife gets annoyed because I are already kind of do what I want in a lot of ways with um, some of the work that I've been looking into because um, synchronicity for me has been looking at those small things, being curious about the small things and then kind of following up and seeing where trails might lead you in your own sort of personal life. Um, and, and so the small things, I'm glad that you mentioned that because I think that's a good way for us to start because I want you to explain for people that aren't aware of what synchronicities might do for kind of people like us that are that are um, taking them and running with them uh, maybe just explain to people that are unfamiliar with your work um, how you've approached mystic work in your own life
1: um okay uh let me ask you a question first like uh generally speaking i'm assuming that your audience is familiar with like synchronicity and stuff like that that's why they're listening to you that's a topic which you
0: go into is that? I have written about it. I have um, interviewed some people about it. Um, And I I think just in general coincidences are things that most people have experienced. Okay. The synchronicity part is obviously bringing your own sort of meaning into that. Right, right, right.
1: Okay. I was wondering if we needed to give a definite, like a a baseline definition. So, so the the term synchronicity is um, accredited to Carl Jung and he defined it, defined it as a meaningful coincidence. And for me, I, I, that's kind of a, like a, um, I like a better. I got a better definition, at least better for me, not you know, for me it makes, and it's a two layer coincidence. It's a two layer coincidence is what a synchronicity is. And so what a synchronicity is, is like, so you have a coincidence, like let's say, um, You know, you drive to a grocery store and you pull up into the parking lot and at the exact same moment you pull up in the parking lot in the parking spot right next to you is um, like maybe an old high school friend, someone you have not seen for like a long period of time and someone he had a meaningful uh, connection with. So it's coincidence. Like, Oh man, I can't believe it. We just pulled up at the same time and we just got here. Like, you know, what are the odds? It's great to see you. So that's a coincidence and those things are friggin' awesome, right? We all love, you know, and particularly something like that. But imagine if the night before, imagine if the night before um, you had a dream and in your dream world, that friend, that friend showed up in the dream. And then when you put that in context that like, oh, wow, we showed up at the same time and and I dreamt about you uh, the night before. That's the second coincidence. That's kind of like a synchronicity and they could be anything. But when, when they're like two levels to it. And so the reason why Carl Jung was interested and talked about it was he uh, in a very kind of like not in a... Um, like a, a, a full laid out definition. This is what synchronicity means to the human being as much as he approached it with more of like a curiosity saying like, what are these things that that occurs? These, these meaningful coincidences that we have and, and beginning with a, a baseline understanding that the human experience is at its foundation a mystery We don't know where we are. We didn't know how we got here. We don't know what we're supposed to do. Like, those are the basic questions and we can't answer that with certainty. We can say with certainty, the human experience is a mystery so that any... Um thoughtful, and what I mean th- by thoughtful, like, you know, coming with like, a, like you know, really wanting to understand the human experience and all that, that it deals with, uh, Carl Jung uh, thoughtfully is like, what are these meaningful coincidences? You know, it's not just me who's having it. I'm listening to all of my patients who have it and other people. And what does this point to? And so that's a question. And I don't think that's a question which is necessarily to be answered or can be answered. You know, what does synchronicity point to as much as it is like, this is something which you can use as a a compass, a compass to walking through the mystery of being human on earth, you know? And like, because we don't really have that many other compasses. And if we don't have something which is, and this is is purely my opinion right now. If we don't have like our own, meaningful compass for how we live our lives there will be given one for us, and that's what you know. That's what society does. That's what like false, false construct realities do is they give you your purpose. They give you your compass. Oh, it's Monday morning. It's time for me to go to work. That's not a truism. That's only or an absolute truism. It's only a truism within within the system. So the the reason why I think synchronicities and synchronicities aren't the only one, but I think they're the juiciest. Um, these are, um, universal techniques or universal patterns or universal, you know, occurrences which are outside of that system, which if you are awake enough to realize that there's a system that you live within, like this is something outside of it, which you can go and use to, to understand your life, your life journey, all of these different sort of things. So that's, yes, you know, yeah. like, uh. So that's synchronicity. Now, synchromysticism, and I, and I'll, I'll let me answer this and then I'll stop and I'll, I'll allow you to reflect back. Synchromysticism is kind of taking that on steroids. <laughs> so, like it's like synchronicity, is like, yeah, 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 synchronicity is all that, but let me go back and pay my taxes. Let me go and do this other sort of shit. But synchromysticism is like, no, the whole thing is friggin' a, is a mystery. I don't know. The whole life experience, and there's nothing that is in the life experience, including including the false realities that's still inside the bigger reality. And so that means everything, everything you touch is in play. And so that means you look for synchronicities along ways, which maybe not normally be considered. It's like, Oh, I read this thing in a book and then I saw this movie and then, you know, synchronisticism talks, or at least my way of, of approaching, it deals a lot with um, (coughs) popular culture, but then, expanding expanding the 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 possibility of synchronicity into all things and then utilizing all and and recognizing you are an active participant in this you know and and i'll say this one last thing before i stop the 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 quantum physics law that the observer changes the experiment is the key to synchronicity because yes. uh, you know it gets into this feedback loop and just by becoming aware of the synchronicities like you know you don't want to go like I, I, my my approach is you don't want to go overboard with it but you want to be aware. Sure. Because when you're just aware, then you are the observer, and we know the observer changes the experience or the outcome. So that's that's kind of like the, the the if if I could tee
0: it up, that's how I would tee it up. That is so good. That's such a great primer. Um, and I I really want to just jump into the deep end, but I'm not going to do that because I want people listening to really benefit from. Um, the simpler ways that this can work. And I give an example when I'm talking to people, Uh, my wife, uh, I've really been encouraging her to do some things in her life um, to give her more joy and satisfaction. And horses have been coming into our life, right? So she grew up around horses. Um, Our young daughter has been riding horses, doing horse lessons. And my wife has been reluctant to to get on a horse, even though um, I've been encouraging her to do it. And so um, she went to this other uh, stable and there was a Pasifina. She, she was raised on Pasafina's and their gait is very unique, apparently. I don't know much about horses, but um, this woman had just gotten the Pasifena someone <coughs> to, needed someone to start riding, riding the horse. And I told my wife, I'm like, that is a synchronicity. You grew up with Pasifina's. This woman just got a Pasafina, Someone needs to ride it. This is the universe saying the horse will be a benefit to you if you start, you know, just accepting what the what the sign is and the, yeah. the universe is giving you. So that's a simple thing that, that I think I was encouraging my wife to see the opportunity um, because the universe was giving her an opportunity. Um, and so that's one example. My inroad, I think, to synchronicity when I think about it uh, might be more not controversial, but um, I think of um, smoking weed in my basement as a high school kid. And having thoughts, and then the song lyric would come and reflect what I was thinking. This happened so often, I started thinking like, you know, am I, am I just knowing that this song lyric is there subconsciously? And so my thoughts are like somehow primed by knowing these lyrics were going to come, or, or is there something else going on? And I used to have this great CD player with a six-disc cartridge and a, and a single CD, so it was seven CDs total, and I'd put it on shuffle, I loved just putting it on shuffle so that the shuffle would pick the song for me. And that became my early synchronicity device was my JVC CD player, because I, I tell you, man, maybe it was just the cannabis, but there was something about um, the timing of songs, oftentimes reflecting things I was thinking about and struggling with. I mean, it was things that I would be going through as a, as a, a high schooler, teenager in suburbia, you know, wanting to rebel against my dad, rebel against uh, conformity. And and the synchronicities were this early language. I'm really starting to think of synchronicity as a language outside of time um, that entities outside of time might be able to influence. So that's kind of deep end thinking. Um, starting with horse magic well, well
1: uh, uh, yeah so let me, <laughs> let, let me let me go back to your wife let me go back to yes. your wife. so um, like I think what you just illustrated was you know uh, specific on what I was the the, the picture I try to paint in the in the preface which is like a compass. Like, this is a compass. It's like, you know, she, like looking at it from your wife's perspective, like she's like, oh, you know, horses and like all this sort of stuff. And she's got her own like internal, whatever that may be, like she's got this internal sort of thing. And then when this completely unplanned event, like, you know, the, the woman saying, hey, we need someone to ride this horse, which is a unique gate, which you're seemingly familiar with, like, that's something that can't be denied. And so when you're caught up in like, you know, and this is such a great ex- a, a example, is like, when you're kind of caught in your own internal sort of um, uh, a tug of war, and we all, we all deal with those in different times, when something like that, when something like that shows itself, Um, It is very easy to then say, okay, well, then this is my next right step. Because when you're struggling, you're like, what is my next right step? What do I do? What do I do? What do I do? And so even if you don't want to go because there's some people that got real rational minded folks and there's a place for real rational minded folks a real rational thought. But when, without even getting into that, like, you know, this is all like, like real like strange mysticism and stuff like that. But you're like, okay, well, I got to make a decision one way or the other. And this at least like is a meaningful way. And it's a fun way. When you begin to look at life that way with like the, like, what is going to be the surprise? You can't plan for it. You can only look for it. Well, you know, that's just like a different approach, which particularly nowadays with like everything turning into control, 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 like you know the 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 spontaneity of life can 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 be very opening of the heart
0: yeah um now the the
1: the second thing the second thing which um i wanted to talk about now i got so confused what was the second thing which you even what what was
0: the the use of cannabis oh oh, the the
1: music so this is what i want to say is like i you know my opinion is um uh, you know, what you described is, is probably deeper than synchronicity. Uh, it's more so about the interconnection of like all things in life, which synchronicity yeah, yeah. is just like a, like a, a a reflection back. Like it's very, very sharp. Um, the experience, which you just described of being in an alternative state of consciousness, you know, perceiving and looking in a way which you different uh, don't normally do it and then tying it into one music, but then two personal music. Like this is like, yeah. this is your CD player. This isn't like some random ones. That's not to say that you don't have it from someone else, but <clears throat> that is a, that's a commonality. Like, you know, a lot of people like, you know, that's something they can understand. They're like, yes, that's happened to me. I thought I was just crazy. <laughs> and like, when you hear like, this is more universal. Like at first, maybe you, it, it'll like take the, bu- it'll pop the bubble of like, oh, I thought this was just special for me. But then you realize like, no, this is special for me. And this is how the game works. So I think those are great, great examples.
0: So there's a really good thing I want to mention maybe at this point, because um, in the last like 48 hours, um, I I just drove back from Spokane this morning. I have so many synchronicities that I want to get into. Um, But the idea of losing yourself in this is actually something that um, I was surprised in my conversation with Jason Horsley, um, that he was talking about the, the creation of the second matrix and how um, this, this is a, can be disorienting for people um, if they start taking it and running with it in ways where you start seeing connections everywhere and can't turn it off in, in some ways. right? And so with like numerology sometimes or dramatria, people can get really sucked into reading too much. And then the ego then can take it and integrate it in ways, where you're like, well, this is just for me and no one else exists in this universe. This is all just now. The universe is just communicating with just me. Um, I am unique in a way where the ego takes it and co-ops it and sort of makes it into um, a unbalanced thing. Is, is that something that you have, have run across or you've had any kind of- With 100%, that is that is such good
1: advice. So I I, I made yeah. a comment a couple moments ago about like, about like someone with a really strong, rational mind. I'm like, there's not necessarily a problem with that. It's like the balance, it's the balance between one extreme or the other because, and, and I said this, I think a little bit earlier about like, not reading too much into them, recognizing them and seeing them like, you know, like patterns and like, maybe sometimes you might want to go a little bit deeper, but, but that is, definitely that is definitely definitely our 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 inner worlds our inner worlds are seemingly like they go really really far you know i don't know what far means but it's like you know there's there's a lot we don't know how deep this 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 ocean goes and you can get lost in there um which could be cool i guess if that's what you want to do but i come back to the to the um To the objective truth is like all of our point of reference in this experience is the fact that we got human bodies and, and, you know, we're living on earth right now that's not to say there's not more, but that should be the point of reference so we don't want to get so far out that we're not, we're not having this experience from this perspective until like you know, you transcend the body and you begin to levitate and you're like those rules no longer apply to me. Like, yeah. I'm, you know, I'm, I'm so open to that, but I haven't experienced it yet. Yeah, I haven't yeah. seen anyone else do it, but that doesn't mean that 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 door of possibility is closed. So I agree with that. Can, can I ask you a quick question? Yes, Jason yes. Horsley, the name's so familiar, but I can't think of who that is.
0: So um, Jason Horsley wrote his most recent is 16 Maps of Hell. Um, I'm looking at his books, Prisoner of Infinity, The Vice of Kings, um, he was in a, an early collection of synchronicity or synchromystical synchro writers, um, the Sync book. Um, and, and so I've been following his work for quite a long time. He, he was a, a participant at Rigorous Intuition, uh, the website Rigorous Intuition. Um, and his work on like Alistair Crowley, um, uh, the guy that wrote Communion, Whitley Strieber, um, the Process Church of the Final Judgment, um, he's gone deep into some, into some of his own traumas, his own family relations. And so when I say deep, I'm definitely interested in the deep stuff. But um, you mentioned Ocean. Is he British? Yes, he is. He's British. And he Uh, used to do something. God, I can't remember. Uh, Yeah, I used
1: to listen to stuff like 10 years ago. I love that dude. He's amazing. Yes. Yes. I I knew that name. Like it, it, it struck something, uh, uh, inside me when I heard that. I I know, I know that guy.
0: Well, in in terms of popular culture, he's one of the most amazing, um, sort of decoders of some of the the cinema film as sorcery kind of stuff going on. And and so 16 maps of hell was kind of his like final summation of, of this, these books that have really been spanning this, this huge meta narrative that he's been working on. But, um, the, I wanted to, to, to mention um, the ocean, and water is one of the big things I want to talk to you about today. Water is, is obviously what connects so much of us. Water is in our body. Um, I've had a lot of connections to Pennsylvania. A lot of things have been coming up for me about um, Pittsburgh, uh, Philadelphia. Um, your work looks at water, looks at the flow of rivers. Um, your work specifically has a lot of focus on baseball and the, the sort of esoteric symbolism of baseball. And I wanted you, I I know the the field of dreams stuff is pretty pretty involved. And I don't know if you can do a a brief sort of um, summary of what you've been doing recently with field of dreams, but I really want to tell you about how your work in field of dreams is informing my work in Missoula. And because there's a connection there, And it's very interesting that I want, and I want to kind of feel it out with you a bit, but um, could you just. Uh, uh, All right.
1: uh, I'll, um, that's a, there there, there are a lot of points. There are a lot of points in that web. And what I'm going to do right now is I'm going to lay out the points and then I want to hear where you're going to go. So. Um, So I like to think of myself as a gonzo researcher. And what I mean by that is like, you know, I, the research I'm doing is because I'm in it, you know, it's my life. That's why I only interest, I only research stuff that personally interests me. And it usually personally interests me because it's personally in my life. Right. So that being said, um, there are two regular recurring shows I do, um, uh, I do one with uh, Ross Ben, and we call it "The Mystics from the 40th Parallel."
0: You do and... stuff with Ross Ben? Oh my goodness!
1: Oh yeah, yeah. We put out, I think, like maybe like
0: 12 episodes. Yeah, some of his work on Philadelphia blew my mind.
1: Oh yeah, I mean, I mean we're, we we live like we we live uh, 90 minutes away, and our work is so complimentary. Like it was wow. only a matter of time before before the the paths crossed. So yeah. there's that. Okay. Awesome. And then the second one is I do like this 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 really kind of like what I think is a fun show with um Howdy Mikowski. I don't know if you know Howdy's work. He does a lot with um deconstructing the the world's fairs and the expeditions and all that sort of fascinating stuff. Oh, so yeah. Howdy you got to check him out. Um and he does a lot with Donnie Darko and I noticed that in the you had that in your back uh, what's it called So anyway okay, so in the same okay. week so I do this regular show with Howdy and Emily Moyer and we call it the Real Trilateral Commission and what we do is we it alternates it's once a month and 3 days before we record one of us goes to like mainstream news source and picks out like an article which just speaks to you for whatever reason you don't have to tell you why and then gives it to the other two and then you have like 2 days to kind of go and do research and then each of us gets 20 minutes to present on the same topic but we all come from different perspectives and it's it's like fun, fun
0: and to fun, me, fun, fun. the
1: best thing about that the best thing about that is um The best thing about that is that uh, uh, it's a demonstration. People who are listening, they're like, wow, look at all of these ways. Like all three of us will make like compelling cases, but totally different, you know. And so you begin to realize like, you know, the non-absoluteness of things. But anyway, so about, I don't know, this was in, in early August. Um, how did he pick the show and it was, or pick the topic and we were going to do the, um, Field of Dreams, Major League Baseball game that occurred in August, I think 12th it happened of, of this year. Okay. And um, so that was the point of reference. That same week, me and Ross Ben did um, a show all about ball worship, B-A-A-L worship. So like both of these things are happening. And if you're familiar with my work on the, on, um, on the Susquehanna River, uh, baseball is immensely significant. I'm not going to get into the Susquehanna River right now, but the reason why baseball is significant in the research of the Susquehanna River is because Cooperstown, New York, the home of the Baseball Hall of Fame, is located... is located uh, 150 feet away from the source of the Susquehanna, which just so happens to be the oldest river on the planet and like the birthplace of computers, baseball, and this other stuff. But nonetheless, like I have all of this stuff happening right now. And so I go and I do this uh, like a, an hour or so worth of research present for... Um, present on the real trilateral. I hear all this stuff which comes in from Rosben Ben, because he knows so much about this ball worship stuff. And he's telling me the history, he's giving me all of the background of it, blowing my mind. And then <clears throat> this kind of like overlapped with some other research I was doing as it worked uh, as it related to movies and like what's going on in Wilmington, Del- Delaware with the DuPont family, Joe Biden, AstraZeneca headquarters, all this sort of stuff. And it like came together in this like friggin' frigging, ama- in my opinion, an amazing story of all of this interconnections between these seemingly disconnected things and it all kind of ties together. I'm not going to go into like what is tied together, but from that, that all happened like two weeks ago, I suppose, or whatever, like uh, the middle of August was. And then you said that this ties now into, and oh, so then the, 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 outcome of all of this research was, I went on a um, on another podcast. I went on uh, Greg Carlwood's Higher Side Chats. Yes. I on a lot of pad- podcasts. I love to go on podcasts. And some are like really big and some are really small. It doesn't matter to me, but I am aware when I go on to one with a large audience. And so typically when I go on a large audience ones, like I like to do a pre- like what I'll call a presentation. Yeah. So I hit up Greg, I'm like, listen, I got a great presentation. I've been on your show for a while. Can I come on and I'm going to lay that out? And so all of that research that began just purely by Howdy picking this thing, and it hit all of these things. It then culminated in this really, really interesting uh, uh, and, and I think, uh, <coughs> significant presentation, which then went out on Higher Side Chats. So that's like my side of the
0: story. Now, I think you've got another side of the story, too. Holy cow. So And this just demonstrates how fast things are moving right now with… Um, you put something out there and, and you, you get something back from it. And so um, I listened to your presentation then on the higher side chat um, because that that podcast is amazing. And um, Kevin Costner is a very interesting figure. Part of field of dreams. I just found out a couple days ago was recorded or filmed in Livingston, Montana. So um, Livingston, Montana is uh, and, and, and Costner's presence in the Yellowstone area has been um, well-known and historic, right? So um, I think he's more on the Wyoming side. But um, are are you familiar with the show Yellowstone at all?
1: Mm -mm. Like I know it exists.
0: Yeah, so Yellowstone (laughs) is not something that I I really wanted to watch, but I was uh, convinced by enough people that I respect their opinions that they're like, okay, this is high-level narrative stuff. Like Hosner is putting some serious shit out there. You got to watch it. So I'm okay. like, okay, so um, I've watched all three seasons. Um, and then I have recently been looking into something called the Chapel of the Dove. And so this is where I sent you my somewhat sexually suggestive um, email, my, my cryptic email. Um, because part of what the work that I'm doing right now in Missoula is looking at gentrification. So to tie it into my main podcast topic is, um, I mean, the, the podcast is called Zoom Town because Zoom Towns are towns like Missoula that are hyper develops now and and our gentrification is accelerating as um, people with wealth find these little um, amazing towns that they want to move to and can work from because they're living on passive income in a lot of ways. And so um, in the last year and a half, because of the pandemic, um, Missoula has gotten so unaffordable and and there was already this big conflict about affordability, right? Mm -hmm. And Part of that conflict centers around the building, the Wilma. The Wilma is this very interesting historic building. I think David Lynch was kind of tied to it. Um, It's now owned by a guy named Nick Chakoda. But the Chapel of the Dove goes back, I think, to like the 70s and 80s. And it's this very eccentric place where people watched movies in the basement of the Wilma. Um, The the guy that ran it um, was Edward Sharp. No relation, apparently, to the, the band Edward Sharp and the Magnetic Zeroes, although I think there might be something there but Edward Sharp raised pigeons. Okay. And um, his favorite pigeon, Cora, when Cora died, he had it stuffed and he would wear it. Um, And one of the things that I found from a conversation with a homeless guy on the street. Okay. I was talking, I used to work at a, at a homeless shelter for seven years. One of my former clients, I I see him back on the street last week and I'm talking to him and he turns out to have um, operated the elevator. Okay. And we're going to get to the elevator. Um, The the, one of the last uh, manually operated elevators west of the Mississippi, allegedly, I haven't verified that, but he operated that back in the 80s. And he was telling me um, that all these like details and Edward Sharp would walk around naked with his kimono. and, And he said something about how they would throw champagne bottles off the eighth floor into the Clark Fork River. So when I sent you that email, I was standing on the bridge over the Clark Fork River because I was thinking, Holy shit, um, that I thought the river was was sort of moved away from the Wilma like like in the 30s, you know, many, many years ago. But it turns out it, it seems that the channel of the river was diverted probably somewhere back in the 70s. Okay. And and so I'm like this is significant. And the reason why this is significant is this is power that people don't even really think about. Okay. And the, the way that it relates to Kevin Costner and Yellowstone. So Yellowstone very much is, is kind of about um, development and and money moving into the Paradise Valley, moving into Montana. And in the first, I think it's the first episode, um, this billionaire who's going to develop this huge um, property right next to the ranch that Kevin Costner's character owns. Well, it's all based on the ability to get water. And so the, there's, there's water access that this property has. So Kevin Costner's character, what does he do? He blows up the fucking river way upstream so that the river diverts and is no longer on the property. So he stops development by going upstream and controlling the flow of water. And so I, I started thinking there is something about the level of power in, in 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 controlling land and controlling towns and controlling you know this sort of um land power of, of ownership um and controlling the flow of the river is something that's pretty significant and so now i'm like okay this is something that like michael juan might be interested in this is something that's derived from some of his research and and the chapel of the dove i'm learning more and more about this specific little Um, area in the Wilma. And and this is part of a fight in Missoula that I think is uh, indicative of just a larger spiritual battle going on, because I I really firmly believe the synchronicities um, that I experience are are something outside of the way we experience time, giving you hints about where to go, where to look, where to research. Um, and then I'll, I'll let you talk a bit first, but before I get to the elevator, but um, that's the initial thing that I wanted to share with you, the power to move water.
1: Uh, I mean, now, now we just opened up another chapter. I don't <laughs> know if I necessarily want to open that because we, we're, we're going so many different directions and I want you know to have a coherent uh, uh, conversation for those yeah. folks who are listening at home. But that being said... Um, uh, symbolically and then like literally like to be able to control water, uh, undoubtedly is really significant. Um, and so, so I want to hear you keep going with this. I'm, I'm, I'm curious. I want to know where you're going to go. So, so yeah, Yeah, keep going.
0: Well, I mean, part of synchronicities, the more you pay attention, they accelerate. There seems to be this, like, like, like you were saying with the, the quantum, the quantum physics principle of the observer, um, you know, the, the fact that you observe something, that particle can go from uh, just a particle to a waveform. I mean, there seems to be something where you're paying attention to it and it can accelerate. And so anything that that can that can bring new elements into it, if you're paying attention, okay. so um to give you an example, you mentioned um, like world's fairs, right? I'm studying world's fairs as well, okay? And I was in Spokane because nineteen seventy four. Um, there was a World's Fair. My dad worked at the World's Fair. I was born in 1978 in Spokane. And some of the books that I found yesterday are talking about a channel of the river being filled in um, because Spokane also has a river that goes through it. And the whole um, Expo 74 was a, a, you can look at it as a gentrification project to clean up the polluted river because industry had, um, had fucked up that river so badly for decades and decades and decades. And so um, instead of just doing a municipal bond the way a lot of cities do, um, there was a very, very uh, brash effort of this small town to punch above its weight and bring in a World's Fair because um, Seattle had done it in the 60s and um, business leaders thought that they could pull this off. And so I'm, I'm learning more about how the impetus of a World's Fair was used to redevelop a waterfront where I was born. Um, and so I'm over there in, in Spokane, and it's just it's, it's fascinating because I have this, um, this idea of the, a field of dreams in the back of my head. And as I'm just kind of running around, I, I mentioned on Telegram, I, I'm a big fan of Adam's podcast, Deborah Gets Red Pilled, right? And so um, they're looking into the World's Fair there as well. And I mentioned I was going to be talking to you today, and you have a bunch of fans that love that podcast that listen to you. And they're like, oh, cool, you know, you're going to be talking to Michael Wan. I love that guy. And, and Adam, I don't know if you listened to some of his recent stuff about, like, you know, having to uh, take the vaccine to keep his job. Um, and this is going to kind of sound convoluted. So he, he works as an elevator um, operator or he works and in, in fixes elevators, right? Um, so i have that in the back of my mind i'm in a hotel room in spokane last night and i watched two movies i watched m night Shyamalan's movie old um and that has a very creepy big pharma um thing at the end i don't want to give a a spoiler but um you mentioned astrazeneca and, and there's some stuff going on with that right and then i also watched the movie songbird and songbird is one of the creepiest pieces of propaganda shit i mean it's it's a okay movie, but it's about COVID-23, you know, um, but it's not too distant future where the, the munis, the people with immune like the people that are immune are this like new class of people. Right. And it's a love story essentially. But, um, and I, I am going somewhere with this. So in, in the songbird movie, there's a point in the movie where there's an elevator. Okay. Um, the elevator has this sign sc- scrolled on it, "Abandon hope. Okay, um, and it opens, and the character goes through, and I'm just like, huh, interesting. Today, as I'm driving home, I stop. I mean, I'm like, I'm trying to get home so that I'm not late for our interview, since we've we've kind of missed the, our, our ships have been you know passing in the night, so to speak, and so I'm I'm trying to rush, but I have to stop at bookstores, Michael. I need to stop at bookstores and get bookstores and get books. That's just something that I get I need it. To, I get I need it to do right. And so mostly Montana history books, but I find this stories by W.P. Kinsella. So I, I pick up this book um, about a, two hours, three hours ago um, in Alberton, Montana. And there's a there's a story called The Elevator in it. And so um, literally 20 minutes before we talk, I'm just like, I wonder if there's anything in this story that I can I can share. And I'll just mention the end of this story, because um, going also back to the M. Night Shyamalan movie. There's something about white coral being this magical protector against the 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 elements in the movie that are that are damaging the characters um and so white coral is this sort of symbolic element in that movie and um the end of this the end of this short story by WP Kinsella I'll just read the very end of it um I don't think you actually need the context okay so you figure if you keep things up, the white man going to bring his colored pictures back one day, the old man says very slowly. Uh-huh, says Simon, staring at his feet. I can hope. Standing in the bush turns to stare across the clearing. I think standing in the bush is the name of a character. Standing in the bush turns to stare across the clearing and, cor- and corral to the scrub poplar standing all fluttery leafed in the hot July wind. Don't do no harm to dream, the old man says. I'll dream those movies back, says Simon. Everything's painted and in better shape than when they quit it. They'll be surprised when they come to open up again. You see your movies on that big white screen, says the old man. Sometimes when I look far away, I dream of the buffalo. I must be the only one who remembers them. I liked the train, but it went away. I liked the movies. Sometimes they made the earth tremble just like the buffalo. They are standing almost back to back, Simon shaped like a cross, staring off toward his immaculate theater, standing in the bush, gazing across his corral where two skinny roan steers reach their necks through the poles for grass. So, I mean, I, I am swimming in sort of symbolism and synchronicities, and it's just interesting to me how, how you know an elevator in a movie and a story pops up from this author that I didn't even know his name until I listened to you you know, give the presentation on, on Greg Carlwood's uh, higher side chat. And so um, to, to, for people, I guess, that, that have coincidences in their own lives, I guess maybe this is almost a warning. You can kind of lose your shit with these kind of connections and, and networking. But for, for those of us that really see value in pursuing these connections, I mean, I think there is an effort towards integration. I think synchronicities can help us integrate, whether it's stuff that's fractured or, or, or broken in our own lives or stuff that's fractured in our own world. Uh, you mentioned Donnie Darko. I, I have to be on that podcast at some point because Donnie Darko is my number one movie. Um, I think time actually is broken. Um, I think they, they broke it back during the Philadelphia the Philadelphia Experiment. And I think the Synchro Mystics are helping to... to Helping sort of the Gaia energy reintegrate things back to a cohesive timeline. What do you think about um, that, that craziness?
1: So, so <laughs> I want to... I... <laughs> I want to respond to something which you just just concluded with before we go back to maybe the beginning of what, of of what you said. So, um, when you said the secret mystics, you know, and and that's just someone who like, uh, who is able or willing or desired to look at life through this lens, um, you know, are doing something at this time. Um, I think that's very very true, and the and I you and I said this a little bit earlier about about describing the show which I do with Emily and Howard as a demonstration, and the demonstration is like this is how you do it, and this is why you why it's important because it's doing something bigger. Than what than like a bunch of like you know OCD pattern recognition freaks uh, yeah and and it, it and what that is like you know I'll I won't answer because I don't know the answer but but that is my sense so I think there there's that uh, I wanna I wanna support that as an idea yeah. um, and then secondly um, as it relates to um, one of the ways which I like to work with synchronicity without becoming like nuts about it is like, you know, I, I always ask myself like, well, how does this benefit my life? How does this help me move forward to what my next step is? And if there's not really an answer to that, it's like, you know, I'm just like, okay, well, I know that, that happened. And like, I, that's kind of how, like, I don't get get overloaded and overburdened by, by playing all of the, those, yeah. like seeing yeah. those games. I'm going to say, um, uh, <laughs> I did all this research, like after I got off, uh, after I did the, uh, the, um, the Carwood show about Kinsella and I really went down on him and as a, as a human being, and that was fascinating. And then a lot of elevator stuff came up. So, so that's kind of interesting, but what I really want to talk about is like, I want to go back to something practical, yeah. uh, which is, you, uh. We gotta. If you're gonna play this game, if you're gonna play the game where you're gonna go deep into like the the mist, you have to have a. You have to have something like grounded in this regular reality. So that's yes. very important. Um, and so that that's why I'm like, you know, how does this benefit me and 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 those sort of things. And I would say that being, you know, whether we call it a synchro mystic or just a mystic in general, like that's always been a valid path, I suppose, for any human being who is alive at any given time. But but uh, based upon looking at what's going on in the world right now, I'm going to say like it is uh, it's becoming like a necessity. It's becoming like this is a way of being which is going to help you navigate what is unfortunate. Folding before our eyes. Yeah. And so what do I mean by that? I'm um uh I'm getting ready to do a presentation on like a um like a, a day, I don't know, like event, and they're like ask me to go and present for something for two days, and I'm working on that. But let me tell you what what the name of that presentation is, and it's it is Rewiring Consciousness colon. Um, God, I don't have it written down in front of <laughs> me. I wasn't really thinking rewiring consciousness um you what is it severing uh severing severing god i need to go grab it I, I put myself on the spot i can't uh remember the exact language but it was basically uh being able to go and sever the feedback loops which we have in the mind to the false timeline which we've been given yeah. So, so, yeah. so that's rewiring consciousness and that's what, and this it's an actual thing. It's like literally like being able to like the practice of consciously wanting to step out of that system on the most fundamental way of how we understand the system, because this is the only way we're going to be able to move without it. And yeah. synchromysticism, this is what synchromysticism does is it kind of like it moves you along and gives you a skill set of how you can move, how you step outside of the world. Because if you don't, like and and like the your your friend who you described, who's like, well, um. You know, I had to take the vaccine because um, you know I got a job, and you know, absolutely no judgment whatsoever when I'm talking about this. But every single one of us is going to be in this position at some point or the other. It's like I'm not in that position where I need it for a job, but I'm like they're going to do that for me for like you know how I receive income is like PayPal. They're going to shut me down from PayPal. They're going to do. It doesn't matter. At some point, there's a line which is going to be in the same. Be like I'm all in or I'm all out. Like right now, and these are the sort of things which are. Going going to have to be how we move outside of the world and you have to understand how psychology the human psychology works how consciousness works to understand the 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 um the trickery which has been placed upon the minds of us that what yeah. we think is real is not real and to me the most important thing the most important thing has to do with getting out of their literal calendar mm-hmm. And getting out of and 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 the reason is, is the entire system like you could go and one of the things I talk about a lot um, and not, you know, I'm, I'm not being hypocritical, like I'm recognizing it when I say this, but it's like this thing which we're doing right now and like, you know, the computer and the phones and anything on the Internet, you got to give it up. You have to give it up. It is. There's no way around it. You might not be ready to give it up yet. It's maybe not practical, but you have to at least get in your mind. It's like, you know, uh, if, if if, if you're a crackhead, like at some point you're like, I need to give this up. I can't give it up today. But before I can give it up, I'm going to come to the point where I know I'm going to have to give it up. And that's what I'm going to suggest to a lot of people. We're going to have to, you know, uh, I talk a lot about like having to give up technology because technology is one of the most powerful ways which keeps our consciousness, our ways of perceiving reality in a particular um, like actual information, but then also like frequency, states of consciousness. But this is the thing. You could also say, well, I'm going to move out of the, the financial system. The entire system is built on the calendar the entire system is built upon the calendar and it seems like it's not it's not like so significant but it is so significant and so like this is an area which i have really been um uh moving into and developing and understanding, like not to go like, Oh, I'm going to take on like the, 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 the 13 moon calendar, all the fucking calendars are matrixes. They yeah. all are. Some are better than others. So what by better, I mean more in alignment with reality, but I want to get rid of all of those and have a direct calendar with like the The closest thing to true time, this is true time. So 7.15, that does not exist. It is a a contextual concept. Sunrise exists. That's a true time. Yeah. Doesn't really help you. You know, you don't have a watch that tells you that it's like, there's no such thing as Tuesday. That's a made up idea based upon weeks and a month that doesn't exist. What does exist are lunar cycles. You can measure that with your eyes. You've got new moon plus one new moon plus two. As soon as you start giving flavor to it, it does get more interesting, but you're moving into a system. I, in my personal opinion, right now, this is where I'm putting my energy is you know, I'm not going to teach anyone how to become a permaculturist. I'm not going to teach anyone how to become a survivalist. But what I am going to, we all got a different piece of the puzzle right now. I'm mm-hmm. teaching people how to free their mind for, in consciousness. Because as long as you are like not even thinking about, oh, it's Tuesday the 14th. And I'm going by this. I'm not saying we don't use it. That becomes our secondary. It has to become our, not our point of reference. When we move our point of reference of time outside of the system, and everything is affected, tying that to synchromysticism, tying that to everything which is unfolding right now. This is how we begin to navigate. So I'm gonna show you one last thing before. That's um, awesome. I love yeah. that. I love that. So like this right here, this is my calendar. Like this is, can, I don't know if you're able to read it. I, yeah, yeah, yeah. So these are, you could see lunar calendars, but they're still based upon the 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 point of reference of like the Gregorian calendar. Mm-hmm. I'm doing it completely the other way around. Like that's one of the ways, like being able to like still, this is how I'm able to still interact with regular reality right now, mm-hmm. who does keep that. Like that's right. what my, the goal is. These right here, these are my own maps of the cycles of the lunar cycle and the, and the solar cycle. I draw it out because, you know, why? When you do it by yourself, when you do it in your own hand, it gets in your friggin' nervous system.
0: Yeah, when you buy
1: yeah. it pre-printed, it's like it's not as deep. It's yeah. not as deep. And here's the last thing: it's like part of part of the reasons in which in which we have been sold. And I'm sorry that this has turned into Mike being on the pulpit, but you know, no, that's this is great. <laughs> that's great. <laughs> no, Preach, pre- pre- brother. Pre- um, pre- convenience. Convenience is not your friggin' friend. And so when you're like, God, I don't want to do that. I don't want to have to go rewrite, write, write all write all that calendar stuff down. Like this takes time. And, <laughs> and it's like it's so much more convenient to do it the other way. Well, guess what? It's the convenience is what gets us in this position. Yeah. But then, but but here's the beauty of the secret synchronicity. You need your day planner, you need your timer because you got to plan everything in your friggin' life. And that's not fucking convenient. When you begin to surrender to the natural flow outside of that which we are getting our feedback through synchromysticism well then all of a sudden you don't have to plan as much and then the convenience which you lose on the front end you are paid in the rears with just like
0: i'm floating downstream (laughs) that is so important so much of this is time i mean this time is a big part of this the our, our false sense of of um, this temporal sort of uh, black iron prison structure that Philip K. Dix kind of talks about, um, or the, the people that understand this sort of sci- the Saturn time cube idea, you know, where, where you know, our, our sense of time is really a, fo- a really false construct. Um, Mercury retrograde is something that I'm not very astrologically aware of Had to kind of do a steep learning curve. Um, like the work of Christopher Knowles is amazing when, it, when we're looking about at the, the stars and sort of what they can tell us about stuff happening here. But uh, things like Mercury retrograde really do seem to be like built-in tension. Like someone was describing it to me like a rubber band you know, pulling. And, and th- there's, there's rhythms to the universe that, that we have been conditioned to not be aware of or sensitive to. And so um, synchro, or synchronicities, intuition, discernment, trusting your gut, um, there are so many terms that people have used in the past to um, sort of reference checking in with their inner selves. But now it seems to be the time to, to use even like the damaging technology tools to connect with people like we're connecting now to prepare for the on the ground interactions that are gonna be required. When, when Jason was talking about the second matrix, you know, looking at pop culture, getting these ideas, all of this is really good and amazing for the people using it as a tool. Um, but at the end of the day, if, if you're not still taking the dog out for a walk because the dog has needs and making sure the kids, you know, you're present for your family and that your responsibilities and and that you're still balancing it for, for someone like myself, I'm trying to find that balance, but, um, I, I see this as a as a tool right now, and we have this window of opportunity to try and, and get ourselves up to speed on what's happening, because I think there is going to be a moment where that, that technology isn't going to be there for us to connect and, and sort of validate each other. We're going to have to do that work more independently with others that are not up to the same speed that we are, so... I kind of, I, I kind of I, blab I, a lot.
1: I, you know? I, I agree with that. Um, yeah. And I think we're all like each person is going to come with their own piece of the puzzle.
0: Yes. Um, yes.
1: You know, at on, on whatever the other side may be. And, and perhaps, no, there, there's not going to be, there's not going to be another, like an other side. But, you know, um, I like to look at probabilities. Like I talk in terms yeah, of probabilities yeah. and I would say the probability, like every single day that this, this is continuing becomes more and more likely, yeah. you know, um, So what... What, what I think is gonna happen. Like who knows, like uh, right now they've got that volcano going on in the in the Canary Islands. And there's hey. like all the talk of like, this is it. This is what they talked about in the Book of Revelations. And it's hey. gonna, you know, it, it's gonna split in half and it's gonna create a tsunami which is gonna wipe out uh, the East Coast. You know, that's been talked about for a lot of friggin' years. And like, it's kind of lining up right around now. Like, you know, who knows what's gonna happen? I, my sense is this, it's like when it becomes obvious that the thing that's gonna happen, uh, Um, like happens it's going to be too late to do any preparation uh but but i i'm not a prepper i used to be i used to be 2012 2011 i spent a shitload of time in that i don't give a shit anymore because what's going to happen you can't prepare for you can only prepare for it mentally emotionally in a fluidity like you know the things that you think value you know and so it's like i'm preparing for it this way uh like what i'm talking about has to with time and then really really like i uh I do a lot with astrology and, you know, yeah. in a certain way I could be called like a professional astrologer in the fact that uh, I get paid money to talk astrology to people. Mm-hmm. But I would consider myself more of an un-astrologer. Um, I think there is a fundamental truth within um, within understanding the placement of the planets and where they are in space and their, their cycles. Um, but then I think there is... A ton of like, you know, to use the phrase you just you previously used secondary matrices, which are based upon the interpretations of what everything means. Like, I'll go back to what you said before. Mercury retrograde. That's a real friggin thing. That's a yeah. real thing. Like if you're watching, if you're watching Mercury, like, and what I do is once a week, I chart all the planets and I see how it moves. I've got like this beautiful game board. I call the starboard and I've got stones where all the planets are. And each week I move how far they are. And then I go outside and I try to see the planets with my own eyes. So I go from an abstract to like a concrete. And yeah. all I'm doing is like, this is doing something. I'm understanding I'm, I am, my feedback loop becomes with that as opposed to to, you know, uh, my Google calendar, like this is what, but, but what I'm going back so I can see what, what Mercury retrograde is. Oh, Mercury went back a, a degree this week. Mercury went back a degree this week. I understand it like conceptually, like, you know, and I understand it from like the astrophysics, which they taught us about, like, you know, things going around the sun. I don't know if that's right or not, but I do know, like we can identify the movement, so Mercury retrograde, and what that means is Mercury appears to be moving backwards um, to, to, to us, looking at it from the perspective of Earth. That's a real friggin' thing. Yeah, when yeah. we begin to go and say, well, Mercury is the symbol of communication. And so when Mercury retrograde goes backwards, well, then that means communication is all haywire. And there is a truth to that. Like I know a lot of people who follow the, the the you know, Mercury retrograde and like this crazy thing happened to me and like, and they could go and demonstrate it. Um, this is my personal opinion. This is the secondary matrix as it relates to, to astrology. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think merc- merc- Mercury retrograde effects are a combination of placebo. You're expecting to see it and you see it. Yeah. Yep. 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 Um, and it is, and, 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 you know, one of chance and then also of like manipulation, the, the stories of, of the stories of the meaning of the Zodiac and the planets. And I, and I, I work with them. Like, I'm not like rejecting them. I see what they have. Uh, they're all, they're all, they all come from Babylon. They all come from Babylon. Yep. Yep. If you haven't figured out by right now, the shit that comes from Babylon, you don't want to trust yeah. These are people that talked told us all about like banking and human slavery and class systems. And so so this is their story. We as human beings adapt to whatever we are born into. Yeah, uh, yeah. If we're born into something that's really good, we adapt to that. If we're born to something that doesn't serve us, we adapt to that as well. This system of understanding of consciousness has been part of Western culture for as long as there's been Western culture. Mm-hmm. Um, So like we become our astrology. There's a truth to it. It's just like, you know, you uh, April 15th, there's tax day. There's a truth to that. But then there's also when you step outside of that system, like, no, nah, that ain't true. Yeah. And so that's part of like, So for me right now, you know, uh, as it relates to astrology and looking at the planets, like I'm trying to find a new for myself, this new balance line of recognizing, like, I think it's really, really important when anything happens in the heavens, like noticing Mercury going forward and backwards, noticing conjunctions, particularly. And, and, you know, I looked at your chart before we got on this call. Oh, cool. Noticing what's called transits, like, you know, where, uh, what your objective astrology is is just the planets where they are in the heavens. That is objectively true, and it's significant, and it is your point of reference of being in a physical body on Earth with planets and stars above you. That is the most objective frigging thing in the world. You could go down and like and like get meaning deeper into that. Um, And maybe that's right. Maybe that's not right. Doesn't matter. I think a lot of that self hypnosis. um, But what is 100% true is these are markers. And so when you understand your position of the planets, and when you go see real time planets are in that same place right now, like, at the very least, you take pause, you're like, okay, what's happening in my life what do i see like if this is happening here in this this like my my connection through the planets and then this is what's happening in my life relative to actual experience. Like, you know, my dog got ran over by a steamroller, like whatever. It's like you begin to have your own conversation. We are working with the same, like, you know, foundational points of reference, but we're moving away from those systems. Yeah. We're not totally moving away, but we're like, we're, we're, we're creating more slack. And yeah. I think it's in that slack, like it's going to affect everything. We're changing our perception, but then it's still grounded in something.
0: That's so well said. And I think a good way to, to kind of wrap up this conversation today is. Um, really driving home the point that if if you're not having maybe some positive benefits from looking at synchronicities, then maybe don't do it. So for example, <laughs> um, I stopped drinking alcohol uh, a year <coughs> two months ago, and I realized with um, some space away from alcohol that there was a, an aspect of, of myself co-creating a negative reality because the research I was doing, because I wasn't balanced in my approach to, to looking at it, Then I was bringing it into reality more than I was um, learning to counter, like the the work of the sociopath elite. Right? I was actually doing their work for them. I realized Mm by by um, being sort of self pitying, um, drinking my wine every night, and just you know saying, "Well, woe is me. What can I do about it?" Um, And so when I stopped doing that, the synchronicities, and I and I started doing things in the real world, and I realized that um you know there's there's some ways to look at things and one of the one of my sort of measurements that i fall back on is is my fear reaction and so if i'm having a fear reaction to something i try and step back from that and say you know is the person or 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 subject matter is the fear an intention or is it unintended um and then this is how i'm trying to navigate this new space where where i think a lot of us are feeling like the coordinates are we have to find new coordinates in, the, in this universe and so I, I'm, those are some metrics that I'm using because um, I want to continue doing the synchro mystic work in my own life, but I can see the potential where it sends you off some deep deep end places that you don't come back from. And so there has to be a balance in this. Um, but I think people like you are doing such amazing, amazing things to, to give people like me a better framework for this. Um, thank you for, for taking some time today and, and just kind of sharing your perspective because I, I hope people listening to our conversation can see how this might benefit them in their own lives. I, I think that can happen. Well,
1: I, at least
0: they could have been entertained. Like yeah. hopefully, uh, hopefully they've heard
1: a couple of stories. So I want to say one, 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 one thing based upon the, the, the point. So congratulations yeah, yeah. for two months without drinking. Uh, um, a, year,
0: a year and two months. A year, a year and
1: two months. months. Fantastic yeah. for you. Fantastic for you. Um, <laughs> and... I want to comment on what you're saying about utilizing your own feelings as, as a compass as well. And that God. you're, you're, you're that is such a valid sort of thing. And I think that that's one of the, um, if you're going to play with synchromysticism, if you're going to go into the deep end, uh, like that's, you know, how does it make me feel? What am I getting out of it? Right. Um, you know, how is this like show how, does this like, spill over into something um, more tangible. And if if the answer is no, like I don't necessarily think the that you throw the baby out with the bathwater. You just yeah. go a little bit deeper with the question. And specifically as it relates to like, I was thinking about what you were saying with fear. Um, you know, uh, like sometimes fear is a good thing. Sometimes fear is telling you like, don't do this. Don't do this. This is not a smart thing. And then sometimes fear is... A learned response for something which hasn't been dealt with. Mm-hmm. And we all got that. We all got that, right? Oh, and yeah. if you don't recognize, and they feel the same, they feel exactly the friggin' same. And like the only one who could tell you which is which is you, because you know you can't bullshit yourself. Like you bullshit yourself a little bit, and the more you drink, the better you can bullshit yourself. Oh, yeah. But like, but like part of this also, like this time right now, like everyone is what seemingly to me. Uh, in my own personal life, and then also talking to other people and listening to their personal life is like the the things which you work on, which the patterns in your life, they're coming to a head right now. Like yeah. there's so much stress in this world that it's going to bring, it's going to go to every single person's fissure line. Their fisher line are where the cracks are. And those cracks are where you feel weak. And those weeks, this are the things that you fear are things you need to work on or look at or what have you, or at least like, you know, be done with. So, right, so yeah. like we, that would be the level deeper in. which, um, what the fear would bring to you. But yes, it's like all of these different compass points to move throughout this time, to like connect with people, to be willing to know something, what know what something is, uh, uh, it's nature, as I said about like uh, technology. Use it while you can smartly, and if it goes away, be willing to walk away from it. Like you know, those are those are some of my those would be my parting words.
0: Yeah, you know, we uh, my my wife and I watch Netflix, and it, it's a I, Netflix is terrible in a lot of ways, but our internet connection is is pretty um, poor, and so by about the first week in, out of every month, our data gets very slow, and we can't watch things. You can be annoyed by that, or you can say, you know what, this is a little sign to to go back out and take take, you know, go out in the woods, go out and, and get some sun, go and do some things out in the world instead of being um, experiencing life through a mediated screen. I mean, it it's great that we're able to connect, but I I really take that warning to heart because um, the sort of transhumanist uh, future right. that 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 is being um, created. I mean, I, I talked to Allison McDowell. Um, you know, four or five months ago. And some of the stuff that, that she, she talks about is, is pretty, pretty worrisome when you, when you think about, I mean, I have three kids and I watch their relationship to technology. I watch little, I watch little dopamine addicts being created, you know, mm-hmm. um, and it's, it's one of the things where I, I, I'm not gonna, as a parent, just shut down and say, you can't do this because then it gives it more power. But how you work with these tools and devices and still try and have a, a balanced, satisfied life is a, is a real trick right now. <laughs>
1: Well, This is a tricky time. So you're absolutely yeah. right. And, th- and again, I'm going to say this. I don't think there's a right way. Who's been through this before? Show me who wrote the book, who did this before? No one has. So because of that, that gives you like, you know, some freedom, you figure it out and we're all figuring out this time. And with the awareness, it changes the experiment. Just the fact that you're aware, the yeah. fact that this, like there are things where I'm like, I shouldn't be doing this, but guess what? I'm going to be freaking doing this. And what I know in the back of my mind, I'm like, okay, I know that it has that strong of a hold on me because I know I shouldn't be doing it, yet I'm still doing it. And at some point, I'm going to be like, no, I'm not going to do that. At some point, I'll be like, you know what? I'm not going to watch a show on Netflix or whatever, whatever the thing would be. But like those, when you are just observing it, you are beginning to have at least points of reference for when the change happens, when you do not have a point of reference, when then you don't even realize that's being unconscious.
0: Yeah, well said. Well, um, so Michael, um, where can people find more about your work? That's the, you know, standard way of wrapping up a conversation and I'll, I'll make sure to include links. Um, when I, when I put the conversation out, but where can so, people find you? So, uh, probably the best, the three best places
1: right now are, um, like I took down all this stuff I had on, I used to have a pretty like like a uh, data intense website. I got rid of everything and I'm just like, yeah, whatever. <laughs> like there are a couple things, a couple services, couple things, which I sell. You could go to my website, susquehannaalchemy.com for that. Um, most of my content is on, um, is on YouTube. I think I put out a lot of good stuff. I personally like I think this what I put out last March and April, like when all this began, like, you know, it's that's really interesting to go back and look at. And some of the insights, particularly like the deconstruction of the of the uh, uh, of the doctor's mind and like, you know, going through like Gates and the Rockefeller Foundation. Like I do a lot of conspiracy stuff, too. So all of that's from Susquehanna Alchemy on YouTube. But just recently, just recently, my friend um, Mark Steves, he's been, uh, do you know Mark? Yeah, I've heard that name. Mark, um, he's got his own podcast. It's called My Family Thinks I'm Crazy.
0: That's right. But he's also
1: the booking agent for um, Sam Tripoli and a couple other shows. Like the guy's like, you know, he's one of those young kids. He's not like a 50 year old like me. And he has, he's, what he's been doing with me is taking all of my old content and turning it into just purely audio, setting up an RSS feed. So like, so there's now a Susquehanna Alchemy podcast um, and we're creating new content on that. That's what I think I'm going to do is just begin to go less and less of these like YouTube sort of things. And me and Mark, the kind of like the nature of our podcast is it's recorded over our phones. I call him. He's on his phone. He's my co-host on the Susquehanna Alchemy podcast. And... Um, He's recording it on his end, and part of the reason why we're doing that is like consciously we're stepping back from the face to face. It sounds a, it doesn't sound quite as good, but like there the, what that represents, and so it's a different uh, we're flow. Like, it,
0: yeah, it's a different flow if you're doing it that way. It's a full and it's a different flow. So that's a
1: place to go. That's just getting started. Uh, it's being uh, backfilled with the archive of my past material, of uh, my past work, but the new work is coming out like one a week. And the subtitle of the uh, the podcast is um, "Your Handbook to the Apocalypse."
0: I love it. I love it. Well, again, Michael, I've I've had a lot of fun. I'm glad we finally connected. And if I if I was a good synchronistic, um, I would just go along with what, what the timing was. Um, if I was a bad synchronistic, I would get annoyed. But man, I I knew it was. I knew that, that we were going to talk when the time was right. On and your birthday. On my birthday. This is one of the best birthday gifts I could have asked for. So I, I really encourage people to look into your work because I know it's helped me see um, opportunity and integration where where normally you could just maybe not even see that there's connections. But I, I really value your work. And I'm so glad that you're doing more stuff and and, and people are helping you get that, that, um, that work out there. So that's awesome. I hope people check you, you out.
1: Thank you. Thank you for having me.
0: Excellent. Well, I'll go ahead and hit stop. Stop that conversation, but not the podcast quite yet. I hope you enjoy that conversation with synchromystic Michael Watt, and I hope you look into his work at greater detail, and I hope you like this poem. A poem for the concerned trolls and SJWs questioning my mental health. It doesn't have to be goodbye. And obsessors, your materialist cry has lefty lucid all your screws, and bloody stained your Satan shoes. Here I am in Alliance Church, embracing synchronistic quirks. Where are you when your heart's done? Lights go out and no more fun? Zombie tool, Lego brick pop is how I know we do not stop. Mocking, laughing, I get the need stemming from a fear to bleed. That's not the flow I got down there. I am not womb aware, but I think I earned my first screams with the skin they took from me trust the scalpel. Sorry, no. And fuck off with your jib-jab, Joe. Mostly I'm a peaceful chap. But I'll pinata your sharp attack. Let's not go there. Let's not fight. Despite the speed you steamroll rights. Persistence will not win the day. Just Deep in spirit, at night, we pray. Thank you.